Welcome to the Peak City Podcast. We're your hosts, Shane Reese, Nick Bryant, Amber Keister, and I'm Heather Taylor. And welcome everybody to our series on the history of Apex. Take it away, Holloman Brothers. Hello, everybody. My name is Toby Holloman. And my name is Warren Holloman. Today, we would like to talk about a certain town's name that has a somewhat uncertain history, which is to say that over the years, historians have disagreed about how that town's name came to be. You know, Warren, there are many names of persons, places, and things in history that have an interesting history in and of themselves. That's right, Toby. For example, your name. Yes, that's right. I was supposed to be called William. William David Holloman. But when Mama, a young nurse by trade, gave birth to me in 1952 at Old Rex Hospital in Raleigh, and she was still in recovery from anesthesia, which was necessary to have in order to get me out into the world, well, the nurses at Rex who helped to deliver me, who happened to be her good friends, by the way, decided that I, Mom and Dad's firstborn son, should be named after the old man. So they took it upon themselves to write down on my birth certificate, Carl Parton Holloman Jr. (laughs) And the story goes, because I wasn't born yet, when mom saw the birth certificate a day or two later, she noticed how proud dad was to have his son named after him. Of course, she wasn't so happy about what had happened, but eventually she came to terms with it and she quietly went along with this little conspiracy. But they didn't want to call me Carl, or even Carl Jr. She happened to have a favorite surgeon that she worked for at the hospital, and his son was named Toby. And thus, you were named after a young man whom I don't believe you've ever met. That's correct. I haven't. But don't feel sorry for Mom. She got her revenge. When you, Warren, came along three and a half years later, she made sure you got named Warren Lee Holloman. Warren, that was my mom's maiden name. Lee was my mother's mother's maiden name. And that means we represent not only the gene pool, but the ancestral name pool of both parents who made us what we are. Which begs the question, what has this got to do with Apex? Isn't that the topic today? Uh, Yes, of course it is. But like me, Apex could easily have been called something else. In fact, had it not been for one remarkable historical circumstance and one remarkable natural circumstance, Apex might never have existed. I think our listeners would like to know a little bit about both of these things, which is why I almost entitled this podcast, Why Our Town Isn't Called Log Pond, Frog Town, or Curver Ridge. Let's deal with the historical circumstance in this podcast, and we'll deal with the natural circumstance next time. So here's a little historical background. Western Wake County began being settled in the late 1700s, and by the Civil War, there were lots of tiny farm communities all around Western Wake County, communities with names like Salem, Morrisville, Green Level, New Ruin, which later was called Olive's Chapel, and now is Olive Chapel. There's Friendship, New Hill, Holly Springs, Jones Crossroads, and others. But there is no apex. 
In our book, we feature maps of Central North Carolina published during the Civil War. Many of the towns you just mentioned, or I should say really communities, appear on these maps. But there is no apex. Now, from oral tradition, as best as we've been able to find, the place where the center of apex is today, and by that I mean where the downtown fire station is situated, that site was simply a saddle along a ridge in which a small body of water always seemed to be present. And we speculate or assume that that water was filled with logs because people called it Log Pond. Well, to be precise, Log Pond lay where the downtown fire station and the Peak on Salem restaurant now stand. And for maybe a couple of hundred feet, the western side of this pond gave way to a very marshy, boggy patch of ground that served as a breeding place for the ubiquitous wonder of nature, the Lithobates cardisbianus. In other words, the American bullfrog. We did not have Latin at Apex High School when we were there, but uh, that's uh, true. We, we do the best we can. Even in our childhood, we remember how wet and muddy that whole area of downtown used to be. There were mud puddles everywhere. After a rain, you couldn't park your car in that area. Back when we wrote the first edition of the book, really when you wrote it, I was your research assistant, 1972, I remember interviewing a man who was born the same year Apex was born. That's 1873. And that's Oscar Luther. He was 99 years old at the time. He could remember what the downtown area was like before the culverts were installed in and around Log Pond. He could remember the Log Pond. He said the pond was so full of frogs that at night the racket of the croaking bullfrogs was so loud you couldn't really have a conversation in downtown Apex. And then after that, you couldn't get a good night's sleep. Now, those of us who grew up with ponds near our houses know a little bit about what Mr. Luther was talking about. And this is why we believe that the acre or so of land from Salem Street to the other side of the large town parking lot came to be known as Frogtown. In the mid-1800s, if you were to walk into the area where downtown Apex is today, what you would see is a pond. And we're not quite sure what they mean by log pond. We have different theories, but it had some wood in it. It was kind of a marshy, boggy place. Yep. Right alongside where Saunders Street is today. Yes, that was where the overflow of the pond just sort of headed down that hill. That's right. Then we're not sure the exact year. We think 1890s or very early 1900s, the pond was drained just so that they could start building stores in that part of downtown. And hence, no more log pond. But there was Frogtown. The, the neighborhood around there was known as Frogtown. That's right. The landscape remained that way until well into the mid-20th century. At that time, after we were born, the marsh itself was drained and replaced by brick buildings and lots of paved parking spaces. Well, actually, a little bit before we were born, but we still remember the marshy area. <laughs> but the old people we interviewed at the time, many of them swore that they heard the bullfrogs saying to one another, there goes the neighborhood. The beginning of the end of Frogtown. Well, but then the area had a better name. We think a much better name. And one that's more suited to 
the economic and cultural aspirations of the people. You mean the A word, right? <laughs> that is, how did Apex get its name? It was a remarkable historical circumstance. To introduce this, let's give our listeners a little pop test. Oh, brings back bad memories mm -hmm. of junior high. Mm -hmm. I hope I can pass. Well, I doubt it, but let's try. Question one. The city of High Point, hint, hint, is located about 20 miles southwest of Greensboro. So how did High Point get its name? I know, I know. My mm -hmm. pal, Wikipedia, says that High Point got its name in the mid-1800s when the North Carolina Railroad was built to run right through that area. At an elevation of 922 feet above sea level, the railroad was at its highest point at that point between Goldsboro and Charlotte. And brother, I believe you cheated. No, no, no. I was simply resourceful. Mm. And at least I didn't lean on Alexa, Siri, or chatbot. <laughs> Here's question two. The community of Brown's Summit, <clears throat> Summit is located about a dozen miles north of Greensboro. How did a community named for the Jesse Brown family come to be known as Brown's Summit? Wait, waiting, waiting. Oh, the... Okay, I got it now. Your Wi-Fi is it, slow. Yeah, right? yeah, it is a bit slow. Uh, there it is. I've got it. Brown Summit got its name when the Richmond and Danville Railroad was built in 1863. Mr. Brown's property was where the railroad ran through at an elevation of 805 feet, which was the highest point on that little railroad line from Danville, Virginia, down into Greensboro. And quickly, one more question. Question three. The community of Climax, about a dozen miles south of Greensboro, got its name. Well, only PG answers accepted here. How do you think Climax got its name? Okay, PG only. I'll go with what Wikipedia says. Climax was so named when the Atlantic and Yadkin Railway was built through the community there in the late 1800s. At an elevation of 802 feet, it was the highest point along that railroad between some place and some other place, uh, Wikipedia doesn't say. Okay, so we now know that you know how to use the internet on your smartphone. Very good. But can you tell us what the answers of all three of those historical questions have in common? Yes, Greensboro. No, not, not, no. What they all have in common is an affiliation with 19th century railroad construction and a place name that suggests that it's the top of something, a peak, a crest, zenith, acme, apogee. The apex. Okay. Yeah. So you're suggesting that apex got its name in a similar fashion. Yeah. That the civil engineers who designed, surveyed, and directed the building of what is now the CSX Railroad but in the mid-1800s was called the Chatham Railroad, that they are the ones responsible for turning Log Pond and Frogtown into Apex. Right. The problem comes, though, when historians who were writing in the 20th century speculate on what two places the railroad tracks in Apex is higher than, what we were the Apex of. Oh, did they mention Greensboro? No. The railroad tracks that ran through Apex originally did not run through Greensboro. Oh, I know that. I was just testing you. But you're right about the historical disagreement over what two places in between which Apex is the highest point. When we did research for the first edition of our book, Pluck, Perseverance, and Paint, over 50 years ago, 
we discovered a lot of contradictory reporting on this question. Misguided theories put forth by historians from the early 1900s until, well, to be honest, until even after we published the second edition to our book in 2010. Historians said that Apex was named Apex because, well, one person said it was the highest place on the whole Raleigh and Augusta Airline Railroad, Augusta being Georgia. Another historian said it was the highest place on the Seaboard Railroad between Hamlet, which is on the South Carolina state line, and Norlina, which is on the Virginia state line. And another historian said that it was the highest point on the Raleigh and Augusta Railroad between Norfolk and Sanford. By the way, the term historian, I think here is used a little bit loosely. These were mostly publicists for the town and for the state, but at any rate, and, and the railroad, but at any rate, I've also seen people say that we were the highest point between Hamlet and Richmond, Virginia, between Hamlet and Weldon, North Carolina. And up until five years ago, the Town of Apex website said we were the highest point on the Chatham Railroad between Richmond, Virginia and Jacksonville, Florida, which was (laughs) quite a boast. Um, Fortunately, the town fixed that about five years ago, and we're very proud of that fact. I will say there are others to this day whose names will go unmentioned. Shazam! Who still have it wrong. Simple logic says that can't be right. Even back in 1972, when you were in high school and I was just a sophomore in college, our historical instincts said that most likely all of these stories were anachronistic without solid evidentiary support and therefore had to be wrong. Because when the Chatham Railroad laid its tracks, it was just a tiny little railroad, 30 miles long, and they were the ones who named our town. Mm-hmm. They later became bigger. They became the Raleigh and Augusta, and they expanded. But this little 30-mile railroad was the one that put Apex on the map. Yes. The original track ran about 31 miles from Raleigh down to Haywood, which is now better known as Moncure. And that is situated between the Hall and Deep Rivers, a couple of miles south of the Jordan Lake Dam. So for the most part, the Chatham Railroad It runs from Raleigh down to Haywood, and it runs right alongside old U.S. 1. Yeah. In fact, what we are then is the highest point, according to the surveyors, between East Cary, where the elevation is about the same as downtown Apex. Actually, I was told that we are one foot higher. (laughs) and the Cape Fear River Valley down at Haywood and Moncure. Yeah. Today, if you were to travel north from Apex along the railroad that is part of the original 31-mile-long railroad, you would not get as high as Apex after crossing through Cary until you reached Henderson, North Carolina, way up in the north, which is at about the same height. And if you were to turn around and go from Apex down the railroad southward, you would not get as high as Apex until you came to Southern Pines, which happens to be a few feet higher. Oh, and for the record, in case you're wondering, Apex stands at an elevation of about 500 feet above sea level. 
Now, this is a bit of a digression, but bear with me. Toby, you mentioned some of those old maps that we produced in our book. One of them is called Colton's North Carolina Map of 1865. So this is before the Chatham Railroad, before Apex had its name. They show train tracks planned out or laid, we're not sure, of the North Carolina Railroad. This is a different railroad running from Greensboro through Raleigh to Smithfield and beyond. It goes to a place labeled Cary. Heard of that. And then they have a new set of tracks heading southwestward a short distance out of Cary and then suddenly ending out in the middle of nowhere, sort of between Cary and Holly Springs. That terminus appears to be very close to where downtown Apex is today. But of course, Apex did not exist. Yeah, there's no name there. So we believe that by 1865, the end of the Civil War, the rail line running from Raleigh towards the Hall River was completed or all but completed from Raleigh to the point which will later be called Apex. But there were no trains running yet, except perhaps the locomotives that hauled the uh, building equipment to build the tracks. I think that's right. Uh, Tell you what, let's hop off the train subject for just a moment and tell our listeners where the name Apex does appear in historical records for the first time. Okay. All right. The U.S. Post Office records that we researched indicate that there was an Apex Post Office established on August 23rd, 1871. And another place, a Beaver's map, who date is around 1871 as well, has the name Apex on it as well. And that map shows the Chatham Railroad, the one from Raleigh down to Haywood, now completed. Okay. But the earliest appearance of our town's name that we were able to find... My dates, the dates we just gave, by the way, were 1871. Yeah. The earliest is in 1870. May 7th, 1870, an edition of the Raleigh Daily Sentinel, which was the predecessor to the now Raleigh News and Observer, there was an article on that May 7th edition about a train ride that the writer took. He got on the train in Raleigh, rode the train all the way down to Haywood, and then turned around and came back. The reporter writing the article speaks of passing by what he calls the Apex Depot. And seeing, and I quote, fine lumber for the Richmond market, end quote. So the railroad was definitely up and running by the spring of 1870. And at that point, there was a depot here in what we now call Apex, which means trains stopped here. And which means that you could predict that over the next few years, various businesses would arise that were related to the railroad. Yeah. Around this log pond. Around the log pond. Then people would move in to the area to work in the businesses that were constructed. And that would make it necessary to have a post office so that by August of 1871, Apex had its own post office. With Daniel Mann, of course, as Apex's first postmaster. And by the way, just a little aside that has nothing to do with this podcast. I believe you and I made apple cider with Daniel Mann's cider press when we were growing up. That's right. Yeah, because there was one in his backyard 
of the house that he owned that had been kind of abandoned, as I recall. And uh-huh. our dad got permission from somebody to use it. And we had two apple trees with seems like thousands of apples. So we made apple cider. That's right. The Holloman family's first foray into making ardent spirits. Yeah. Okay, but let's get back (laughs) on the subject. The Chatham Railroad Company reorganized in 1871, right at the very end in December, and became the Raleigh and Augusta Railroad. This was all after the name Apex had come into being. And that's why we are so emphatic about saying Apex is the highest point on the Chatham Railroad because it was already known to be that before there was a Raleigh and Augusta Railroad. As of April 10th, 1869, we also know that the Chatham Railroad was still trying to get funds from the North Carolina legislature so they could complete the work on the original line down to Haywood. So as late as April 10th, 1869, it's not completed. But then 13 months later, we have the article from the Daily Sentinel, which talks about riding on the train up and down the tracks. So somewhere between those two dates, April of 1869 and May of 1870, we have the completion of the railroad. And with it, a depot. The post office hadn't been built quite yet, but the depot was there. That's right. Now, undoubtedly, the civil engineers who surveyed and directed the building of the Chatham Railroad from the mid-1860s until its completion in late 1869 or early 1870, gave our town its current name by calling its depot Apex. It was, in fact, the highest point on the 31-mile-long railroad line between Raleigh and Haywood. So that's how the name came into being. So that settles the first question, how did Apex get its name? And that's the Chatham Railroad. But the second question is, why did the engineers, why didn't they put a sign up where Center Street and Hunter Street are today? That's the highest place on the railroad. Saying, this is the highest point on the railroad, sort of like the Continental Divide. Yeah, I've seen that before. Why not do that? It it makes sense to me uh, just for that reason, but that's not what I think you're going to say. That's not why they did it. Right. They weren't just looking for bragging rights, that we were the highest point on something. It was a little more complicated than that. Okay. Explain. So you have to understand steam engines from that era. Why is it they didn't just run the steam engine from Haywood or Moncure all the way to Cary? Why did they need to stop somewhere? Why did they need a log pond depot? Why was the apex of that grade of that railroad track, something that was a big deal to them. Right. I mean, it's only a 31-mile-long railroad. Can a train go 31 miles without having to stop? That's what we would think today, and I bet some of our listeners are thinking about that too. But rather than answer it now, I'm I'm looking at the time, and I'm afraid we're going to miss out on our senior citizen discount at our favorite restaurant here in Apex if we keep on with this podcast. So I think we need to sort of... uh, Halt the train right here and pick it up later. And in the next podcast, that's when we'll talk about such fascinating things as how to blow up a steam locomotive, how to make a pond sit on top of a hill, Wow! what you can see when you look over an argillic 
horizon. Ooh. We'll learn what an argillic horizon is. What is that? We'll learn why the railroad company, which by the early 20th century was called the Seaboard Airline Railroad, why did it build a huge pond, really a lake in Apex around 1913, which still exists today? I'm not sure everybody realizes that, what we grew up calling the Seaboard Pond. And we'll learn how our town almost became known as Curveridge instead of Apex. And by the way, beyond all this, we'll learn, as I just mentioned earlier, that being the apex, the peak, the highest point, that was not about bragging rights. It wasn't no. like the Continental Divide, we're the highest point on this. It's about something infinitely more serious. Uh-huh. And as we understand how steam engines operated, you'll learn. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's quite a bit to work on, but I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. So let's just say this until we meet again. This is Toby, not William David Holloman. And this is Warren, still Warren Lee Holloman, named for my mother and her mother, wishing you a good day and ending with our benediction. Stay Stay plucky, plucky, my my friend. friend.